Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. This past weekend, we spoke on the subject of love. You remember? We spoke on the subject of love, and we spoke very critically on the subject of love, and we spoke on how the Lord was calling us back to our first love. We read out of the book of Revelations, chapter 3, as the Lord gently uh, rebukes, if you will, uh, the church of Ephesus as they, as they begin to demonstrate. He sees them demonstrate his love and how they're doing this and the other. He says, I know how you're doing the right thing and all this other stuff. But God was looking at the heart and he found out that somehow disconnected from their actions were their heart's emotions. And how many know that you can do stuff for people and not feel it? Anybody ever experienced the ugliness of that? Where people do something for you and you almost feel like, there, I did it. Are you happy now? That kind of thing. Sometimes, you know, people can actually respond to something and do something, but have no connection emotionally to whatever service they offer. You see, and you may do that here in this world, and, and you may do that at work, and you may do this and the other, but when it comes to God, the Lord will never receive our service unto himself unless our hearts are connected to our actions with him. Yes? This is why when you, when you read the book of Exodus and you find, you hear the stories of how the Lord called all the Hebrew nation out of the grips of Pharaoh's uh, iron hand, if you will, and he decided that he would build a temple for himself. The Lord specifically told Moses, he said, go find these people with talent. The people that work with the stones, the, the people that work with the uh, precious fibers and materials, the people that work with the gems, uh, the welders, the stone carvers, all these people. He said, and those that are willing, that's key. Go talk to all these people. Tell them that I, I need to build a temple for myself. But talk to those who are willing. He didn't say, go talk to everybody and mandate them that I need a building and I need it now. I don't care. They don't want to wake up in the morning. Get them out there to start uh, milling the stones and getting all these things done. No, he said, talk to those who are willing. Why? Because willingness is important to God. A connection, a spiritual connection is important to God. Every time I step behind this pulpit to preach, I need to be connected to what I'm saying. You see, anybody can come and stand here and just read something off a white page with black letters and just simply read off of it. You see, but we've been called to preach the gospel. And preaching the gospel has to do with not only speaking the word, but feeling the word. We're not anchors. We're preachers. And there's a difference between an anchor. Let me tell you what it is. Have you ever noticed that whatever channel you watch... Uh, uh, on the news, you can hear your favorite anchor person talk about how there was a party uh, at Prince William's house and, and how all the royal majesty was having a great time waltzing and enjoying the cake. And they're smiling and telling all the stories. And all of a sudden, on the flip of a dime, they talk about a great monsoon in India and how it killed 30,000 people and not miss a stroke. 
the same thing. And then move on from there to another party that they saw at Disneyland. Now they've opened and just go through tragedy and, and triumph without any kind of connection. You see, those are anchors. They're not required to feel anything they say to you on television. They're simply called to inquire you of whatever information is in front of them. It's not that way with someone like me. And it's not that way you will find with someone like you. Whenever you say something about Jesus, the Lord expects you to be connected to what you're saying. Whenever you do something for Jesus, God expects you to be connected to that action. Whenever you stretch out to serve the Lord at whatever measure or capacity in the church, he, he doesn't call you to simply uh, fill an office. But it's answering a call that has enveloped your heart. And now, God forbid that you could not do that because it's your life to do so. I had a wonderful conversation with Santiago this past week. We spent a couple of days together doing some work. And we were talking about prayer. I said, it's incredible when we talk about prayer. Few people really have a passion for prayer. Few people really do. There are two kinds of people when it comes to prayer. There are those who look at prayer as the essence of life. And there are others who look at prayer as a commodity. You're awfully quiet. No wonder Pastor Duke gets a little. Somebody say amen. amen. That means you're listening. Yeah, that's okay. I don't, you don't have to shout me down. Just go like, that's right, man. That's right, homie. It's okay. You don't bother me. For some people, prayer is a matter of life and death. For others, it's if I have a chance. And if you'll ever hear a conversation of someone who takes prayer as the essence of life, you'll hear them talk about great things that happen when they pray. Oh, we prayed. And we felt the power of God move. And we saw that brother heal. We, we saw this joy begin to bubble out from their lives and all these things. But when you hear about a prayer from somebody who simply looks at it as some commodity, it really means nothing. Yeah, we were all in prayer, and uh, it was a real good time. So there's two kinds of people. Which one are you? You see, there are those who take prayer and equivalent it to a breath of air. You see, all of us need to breathe, Yes. Not one of us in this place thinks that breathing is just a simple commodity. What are you going to do today? I don't know. I'm going to breathe twice. I'm going to breathe twice. What did you do today? No, I see in the morning. Yeah, I breathed once. And I breathed again at night about 11. No, 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 no. You breathe all day. Because unless you do. You go see your maker real quick. You see? Yes? 
So there are people who look at prayer as an essence of life. You can smile at me. It's okay. Like, I'm the pastor. I ain't know, but I'm lighthearted as well. I want you to have a good time. I want you to learn something tonight. And there are people who will look at prayer as the essence of life that unless they pray, they cannot live. And those that take it as a commodity. It's a connection. It's always connected. And when it comes to loving God, when it comes to serving God, all these things that we do unto Him, when we do things unto Him, have to include us in our entirety. You never half-wittedly, half-heartedly, as some simple commodity, do something for God. This is when things are flippant and things don't happen in the church. This is when you have a ministry in the church and nothing's happening in your ministry because it's just, it's just a job. Yeah, I learned my lesson and I'm teaching you and there it is. And you want revival in your classroom. You want revival in your church. You want revival in this or the other. But yet there is no connection between you and whatever it is that you are offering to your people from God. Love. We spoke about it this past Sunday. And we spoke on how the Lord wanted us all to love him. How he expected us to love him back. And he spoke to that church in rebuke, and he said, I know that the stuff that you do for me, I notice that. I know. I see it. It's visible. But it's all lip service. As a matter of fact, there's another passage of Scripture that says, though their lips honor me, yet their hearts are far from me. Did you know that your Bible says that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It does. With their lips, they honor me. You give me all the lip service. But their hearts are far from me. And so we spoke about love. And we only got as far as we could by the help of the Lord. And tonight I want to simply give you the fingerprints of love toward God. And you can write these things down if you want. If not, you have a great memory. Wonderful. I write them down because I'll forget what I was going to preach tonight. The first thing I believe that the true fingerprint of love will cause you to reveal is a total surrender. Some of you are going to relate to this because we have a lot of teenagers here or, or young adults anyway. And I asked a question. I don't know why you guys weren't shouting out when I said, has anybody ever been in love? None of you raised your hand. <laughs> Poor souls. Some of our boys have been in love eight times and they're only 13. <laughs> has anybody ever been in love? Those that have been in love will understand what I'm about to tell you then. This first principle will understand that. That when you love somebody, the first thing that spawns from you is a surrender. Is a total surrender. We used to joke about this on the pulpit. I've preached on this subject several, 
times over the past however many years I've been with you. But when you fall in love, especially boys, when they fall in love with a young girl, they'll do stuff they never did before. They'll start brushing their teeth. They'll start combing their hair. You start tucking their sh your shirt in. They're combing their hair. Because they want to show that they're willing to do anything for that girl, for that love, the object of their passion. When you get married, I've been married to my wife for 44 years. And I want you to know that when we first fell in love, I was one individual. We were 18 years old when we got married and I was a single young man. I was dating her and everything else, but I was still a single man. And I'd go have dinner with my boyfriends and go with my mom, dad, or whoever, with other people. I could do whatever. But when I met my wife, things changed. And it's not because she put her heels on my throat. Can you see any bruises? But because I needed to be sure that anything she needed, I could provide for her. If she didn't like the fact that I would hang out with the guys as a musician and I was staying out late, she'd say, hey, babe, do you have to come home at 1 o'clock? Yeah, we're jamming. Yeah, but I mean, it's late. <sighs> yeah, all right. And I changed things for her. Equally for her, there were things that I... I, I thought they weren't kosher for our relationship. And I tell her, listen, it kind of makes me a little jealous about this. Do you have to do stuff like that? Well, no, I don't, but I do because I've always, I know, but okay, done. There was a mutual sacrifice, a sacrificial attitude. You see, and when it comes to loving God, ladies and gentlemen, the principles don't change. It's the same thing that when you love God, there may be things that God will look at you and your life and say, do you have to do that? And I dare say that there are many who say like, yeah, I'm used to doing that. And? But God would say, do you have to do that? Because it really bothers me that, that now that you and I are, are courting and it's sometimes difficult to get that one individual to say, Lord, does that offend you? It stops today. I don't want to do anything that's going to hinder, not nurture our relationship, Lord. There is a sense of sacrifice that is needed. The first fingerprint of true love for God is the question. It brings us to this question. Are you sacrificial unto God? Have you surrendered yourself to the Lord? Have you given everything that you are for the sake of you not offending that relationship with the Lord? Young people, and I know it's most difficult for you guys. You guys are living it up right now. It's a lot of adventures things for you. For us oldies, there's hardly anything left for us. But for the young people, this world is 
birthing up shiny things more and more on a daily basis to call you out. And blindly, you chase those things not knowing that the intent of the forces of evil are to get you to offend that relationship with God. And so then you have arguments amongst people. Well, I don't think it's a sin. Well, I don't think that that's wrong. And you know what? Nobody asked you. Nobody asked you if it was a sin or not. He's telling you if it's in his word. There's no debate. That's the problem with this world today. Well, there's some things that I don't think are sinful to God. Have you read his word? Well, no. Then who's asking you for your opinion? If offends the Father, then ask him. He'll let you know it's wrong, then you better stop it. What you're trying to say with that is, I'm not willing to surrender those things that I like to do. I don't care if his heart is broken. The fingerprint of love is surrender. To say, Lord, I give you my everything. One of these days, ladies and gentlemen, young people, you're going to stand on this altar. And the question is going to be proposed to you. Will you love this man? Will you love this woman? With everything that you are through sickness and in health, to poverty and riches, good and bad, and all these things. And sadly enough, you don't know how many times, and I've been a minister for 30 some odd, six, seven years. How many times you've heard that response on the altar frivolously answered, I do. And if you look carefully, you look behind the bride and the groom and you see this. And they don't mean it. And here we go through endless counseling. What part of surrender did you not get? When it comes to loving God, what part of surrender do you not understand? What part of giving God everything do you not understand? Do you not know that I would have never continued being married for this many years if I had not given my wife everything? And I would have never stayed married. And I'm being very, very candid with you. It's a matter of fact. She knows this. That if she had not given me everything, I would have never stuck around either. But the fact that there was a mutual sacrifice. How long have you been married, Brother Nayela? 29 years. Just a measly 29 years. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Sacrifice. Would you have lasted 29 days unless you understood sacrifice? No. That's the relationship. That's the anchor of the relationship. Loving God, you will learn. 
If you really want to walk hand in hand and in step with his spirit, you will have to learn sacrifice today. Unless you do, that relationship will never, ever stand. The second thing. The second fingerprint of true love is that you hold nothing back. That you hold nothing back from the lover of your soul. If you hear the or read the character of God, you will find that we have a very giving Savior. All the way from the garden, if you'll read just a little bit out of Genesis chapter 9, you'll find out that there's a verse there that says, I be, Behold, I give you everything. Very generously. I give you everything. Everything here in this garden is for you. I give it to you all. You go fast forward a few thousand years and you found that at Calvary, God gave us his son. He gave us his only begotten son. That means he gave us everything he had. He held nothing back. The second fingerprint of true love, ladies and gentlemen, young people and old, is your capability of understanding that you will hold nothing from the Lord. The moment that you do, you'll find out that he will feel betrayed as you would when your boyfriend didn't tell you that he had things like this going on. You never told me? Well, I was going to tell you, I promise you. I was today. No, no, I caught you today. Yes? And your heart is crushed. Why? Because there was a hidden agenda. There was something hid away. There was not a surrender. There was not. A, there was a holding back of something. When you come to the Lord and you decide and you choose to love him, you bring everything to God and say, Lord, I hold nothing back from you. And even if you did, you may be able to hide stuff from your boyfriends. Especially the not-so-smart ones. <laughs> DJ. <laughs> but you'll never hide anything from God. Yeah? You'll never hide anything from God. He knows what you're holding out. He knows what you've got behind your back. What do you have in your hand? Nothing. The reason he's asking you is not because he wants to know, because he already knows. He's just giving you a chance to expose it and say, this is what it is, Lord, I'm sorry. This is what it is. If people would just do that more, you'd find forgiveness, because he is a loving God that way. He's not a... I knew it. No. I'll say, what is that? Well, it's this. He said, I know. What do I do with it? Give it to me. Here. There. See, I've taken your sin away. See, I've cleansed your life. Don't hold anything back from me.
You'll never be fully saved unless you are fully given. I want you to remember that. You will never be fully saved unless you are fully given. You'll never be able to be saved on the inside and out until you surrender and you hold nothing back from the inside and the out. If you want God to be thorough in your life, then you must be thorough with him. You'll never be able to survive that relationship. It'll always be a broken-hearted relationship. Has anybody ever seen a broken-hearted couple? They can't lie to you. I promise you. I've had so many counseling sessions in the past years. And I've had couples come and tell me, no, we're doing really good. And I look at them, I'm going like, no, you're not. No, for real. What's going on? Nothing. What's going on? Nothing. Everything's fine. God, Pastor, leave us alone. There's nothing wrong with us. You'll never survive a relationship like that by holding. Well, he never told me that he had this. She never told me that she had done that. She never told me that she went there. He never told me that he had done that or the other. He was holding back. And now we're in this game for two, three years, and I find out that this guy's got all kinds of luggage. What do I do? And if it comes to our love with God, it's the same thing. It'll be a sad day for you to keep walking thinking you're in perfect relationship with God when all of it is counterfeit and it's not real. The, the moment you want to kind of hold hands, God kind of sticks his arm and makes it stiff and says, don't be holding on me. I, I don't know you really. <laughs> don't be bragging on our relationship. You know what you've been holding on on me. But I love you. If you loved me, you would have held nothing back. Hmm. Thirdly, I'm going fast. There's so much more I have to tell you, but I won't finish tonight. I better. The third fingerprint of true love really is We'll use the word worship, but we won't use it in relationship with boys and girls. But since we're talking about Jesus, we'll use the term worship. When you are in love with God, you will freely worship him. It's, you know, it's easy to sing praises about your boy when you know he's awesome. Oh, he's so nice to me. He's great. You should hear him sing. You should hear him play the guitar. You should see him. He's the smartest guy in the class. It's easy to sing praises to people you love. Oh, this guy is awesome. I saw him compete and he won. No wonder. He's awesome. He's fabulous. 
It's easy to praise people like that when you love them. And it should be the same thing with us and the Lord. We should be able to worship Him freely because you know that He is an awesome God. I said He's an awesome God. Sometimes pulling worship out of people is like pulling teeth. Somebody say amen. Now everybody say amen. You see what I mean? I still hear them only. What's wrong with the rest of you? I said, he's a wonderful God. You see? Now you expect God to be going like, yeah, they love me. No, it took me four times to get you to say something. Psalms 150 and 1, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him in, for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with the tambourine and dancing, praise him with the strings and flute, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with the resounding cymbals, let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. That's another fingerprint of love. Pulling out a praise for Jesus should never be the work of the pastor or the work of the worship leader or the work. Let's see if the worship is sometimes we stand during the service on Sunday morning and we look at DJ and say, I dare to make me sing. You'll sit here in front of the pulpit and you'll see, look at the pastor and you'll say, say something and I dare you to make me say praise the Lord. It's like pulling teeth. But that shows the fingerprint of your love. It shows the fingerprint of the depth of your love for God. It should be easy to sing praises unto God. It should be easy for you to lift up your voice and shout. When I leave the church and I see all the young people outside, I'm trying to talk to my wife who's about three feet away and I can't hear because you guys are screaming over here. <laughs> but yet in church, not a peep. I challenge you this Sunday to be noisy as ever and make me tell you, can you just be quiet? I want to preach. Be quiet. You might be smart and tell me, Pastor, if we don't shout it out, the rocks will shout it out. He is worthy of his praise. That is one of the sure fingerprints of true love for God. And finally tonight, and I will finish, and that is you always want to spend time with him. You always want to spend time with your lover. Oh, I could tell you stories. I won't. 
But I promise you, some of you will stay on the phone till 4 o'clock in the morning. And go to sleep and nobody's talking because you're like this. And you have to wake up at 8 in the morning to go to school and you still just won't hang up. Eh, hello? Are you there, babe? Babe. And then the other line you hear. <laughs> but you just want to be there. My wife may get after me. She's probably watching me on social media. But we used to talk on the phone. And I would go to sleep. And at four in the morning, I wake up. Israel. Israel. I thought it was Jesus. I'm going like, yes, Lord. And I had a, the phone was stuck to my head. And I would open my eyes and go like, hello, honey. Hello? You fell asleep. No? Go to sleep. Good night. Oh. Four o'clock in the morning. How do we do crazy things like that? Why? And why am I foolish enough to tell you about those things? You know why? Because I just wanted to be with her. That's it. I just wanted to be with that little girl that sits right over here. She's been my girl for 45 years, man. We're tight. Have you seen how pretty she is? She's a hottie, man. Dude, how could I not want to spend my life with her? When I met her, can I call you? Yes. What time? I don't care. Call me. And how long can you talk on the phone? All night. Just call me. Because we just wanted to be together. She lived a little distance away, and I'd walk. I had no car, but I'd walk forever to go be with her. Now, I wouldn't walk half a block for her now, but I, I used to walk miles to go see her. But I just wanted to be with her. And that's how every girl feels, every boy feels when you fall in love with somebody. I, I just want to be with him. Why can't we feel that way with Jesus? Why is it that cutting your yard is more important than coming to see the lover of your soul? Why is it more important to hang out with your friends and go to the mall on Sunday morning than coming to see the lover of your soul? Why is it more important for you to go to a friend's house and party and whatever instead of coming to the house of God to see the lover of your soul? What happened? I thought you loved him. Or we do just not love him like we do our boyfriends and girlfriends. Come on, he's God. He, he gets the picture. No, no, he doesn't get the picture. This is what he told the church of Ephesus. I have this one thing against you. You have forsaken your first love. Everybody knows Melody, yes? I raise Melody. She calls me honey. 
beautiful young girl sings like a bird. But when she was little, I was her honey forever. And one day we were driving together. And we stopped somewhere. She used to travel with us all the time. Linda and Angel would leave her with us. And we'd take her to the ranch. We'd bring back. She'd spend more time with us than with them. And we loved her so. Erica and Amanda just were her big sisters. She was with us. Let her tell you the stories. She'll tell you. We would go. And one day we stopped at a store. And when I walked inside, there was this beautiful little blonde girl. Blue-eyed. I mean, white as milk. Her blonde hair, her little ponytail, gorgeous little girl. And I looked at her, and Irene had brought Melody out and holding her hand. And I walked in, and I go, hey. And the little girl looked at me, and without hesitation, she walks to me, and she hugs my leg. The little girl, and I go, oh, hi, how are you? You doing okay? And I look for her parents. Yeah, oh, she's gorgeous. Yeah, all right. Okay, run off. Go ahead. All right. I turned around. I look at Irene, and Irene's going like this. <laughs> I go like, like what? And I look down, and Melody is looking at me. She goes. That I broke her heart. Needless to say, I paid no attention to any other girl in my life anymore. But I broke her heart. She was always with us because she loved us. And we always had her with us. Of course, now she's all grown up. And I asked her on occasion, babe, you still love me? She goes, yes. Am I still your honey? Yeah. But we are detachable. And that's the way God wants us to be with him. Detachable. Undetachable. You guys need to learn how to love God and be so adhered to him that there's nothing. This is why the apostle said there's nothing that could separate us from the love of God. I don't care how high, how low, how wide, how evil, how dark, how full of life, how dead it is, what kind of devil, what kind of angel. It doesn't matter what it is. Nothing can separate us from the love we have in Christ Jesus. Because you just want to be with him. You just want to be with him. Young people, I will finish now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will just love God, I promise you, you will see things in your life that a loving God only can do. It's a scripture in the Psalms that speaks to us and tells us and how the Lord will show us his salvation, his love, his power. And he finishes off saying, why? Because he loves me. I will lengthen the days of his life because he loves me. When he cries out, I will hear him because he loves me. When he's under attack and needs my protection, I will rise up and protect him because he loves me. 
whatever he needs and whatever famine may come against him, it will not touch his household. Why? Because he loves me. Love. Do you love God? Careful. He's listening. Do you love God? Careful. I think you should. I think all of us should. Can we agree tonight? Would you stand to your feet with me? You know, the Bible says that in these last days, and we are truly living in them, that people will not be lovers of God, but will be lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We're living in those days, but it doesn't have to be us in this house today. We can love God, yes? He wants us to love Him. He wants me to love Him. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.